Hello, I am Max, the boyfriend. I'm Celie, the girlfriend. And this is A Girlfriend's Glimpse, where I make Celie watch something she otherwise wouldn't. This week, we're going to be talking about the 1988 classic Christmas movie, Die Hard. I don't think it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it, but what did you think of this movie? I liked it. I liked Die Hard. I like Bruce Willis mm -hmm. <laughs> in... in any action show. He's just, he's a great main character. But I mean, I like the premise of it too, but I, 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 it may take place during Christmas, but it has mm -hmm. nothing to do with Christmas. So, I mean, if somehow you don't know what the movie Die Hard is, which is why are you listening to this? But if you somehow don't know, Die Hard is a movie that has been aped many, many, many times since it was made. And that is just the premise that a protagonist goes to a location or a setting of some sort and the rest of the movie takes place in that same setting and the protagonist has to face off against a bunch of bad guys and it's just one person against an army and we've seen the rock do it we've seen superheroes do it the, this premise is played out and i love seeing it every time that it's put on screen but this being a Christmas movie, why do you think it isn't one? <laughs> because Christmas has nothing to do with any of the movie other than it takes place during a Christmas, you mm. know. Yeah, the, the whole movie takes place during Christmas. I could argue some Christmas movies don't even take place in Christmas, like the ending or the beginning is in Christmas, and that's not enough for me. But this whole movie is... What do you think, like, the theme behind a Christmas movie needs to be? Because, I mean, like, Home Alone, I would say, is a Christmas movie. I I would just say it has to be about Christmas. Because when, mm -hmm. when I think Christmas movie, I think, you know, The Grinch. I think mm -hmm. Jim Carrey, The Grinch, and stuff like that. Because that's directly related to Christmas. It's about Christmas. Things that take place during Christmas. I mean, I guess you could say Hallmark movies do yeah. that pretty often and it has actually nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> but I don't I don't know. I don't really consider something a Christmas movie just because that it takes place during the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. I mean, if Christmas is in the title, it helps. Or if Christmas is a main part of the theme, it helps a lot. But I would say a Christmas movie just has to be about family, which this movie is very much about. It's about... A husband and wife who have been estranged and they grow to I guess they grow not in the sense that they understand each other because they always have they grow in the sense that they can now live with each other without wringing their own necks out which is a nice thing to see on screen but I would say that's enough to push me over the edge and convince me that this is in fact a Christmas movie well, it could also be argued that that's like a honeymoon phase thing because nothing as far as their underlying character would have actually changed that much. But I mean, it may that whole situation of being near death may have brought them closer and made them realize that, you know, whatever they were fighting about before doesn't matter as much now mm -hmm. because they almost died together. Yeah. Having your life on the line is a pretty easy way to make things simpler in your life well it's a psychological thing too people who have been through um really traumatic or near-death experiences or really adrenaline filled experiences tend to be closer afterward regardless just because it's 
I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a bonding experience. I, I think but that's it could exactly be. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It helps with bonding, I guess. I mean, there is a term for it, I'm pretty sure, but I can't think of it right now. But <laughs> I think it's a in, thing. In this movie, they even have the, and this is off topic, but they talk about the psychological effects of someone being a hostage and what that means. And God, what's the term for it? Beauty well, has it. Well, there's like Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm, yeah. But... Yeah, and they talk about, oh, the all of the hostages must be going through Stockholm Syndrome right about now. And then it immediately cuts to Ellis and his body being dragged out. <laughs> it, this movie really is spectacular. Thought, <laughs> like I really thought he could bargain with, with the terrorists. <laughs> he really... And he was so confident. And he was probably coked out of his mind while that was happening. Well, I mean, I guess you'd have to be on drugs to get the confidence to go and talk to the captors that have, like, already murdered several people just to show that they can and will. Right. But, I don't know, he was he was a bit cocky to think that he could even try and reason with them and get out of it and <laughs> be on their side and not be accused of terrorism himself after the whole ordeal's over. Right. I, there are... Very little, I was about to say, there's not a lot of antagonists in this movie, and that's not true at all. There's Hans Gruber, and then there's the chief, and then there's the news guy. But it's very easy to look at the policeman as the antagonist in this movie, rather than the actual terrorists who are killing people. Because at a point, you start rooting for them. I don't know about you, but at least me and almost every time that I've rewatched this movie, I start rooting for Hans Gruber because he's so slick and he's such a good businessman. Maybe it's because he's Alan Rickman and he's such a phenomenal actor. I have a fun fact about him that I'll probably get to it later, but everything about the German antagonists, I say in quotation marks, I love so much. I think the accent makes them seem like more slick and calm <laughs> when in reality Hans I mean he was slick for mm-hmm. for a little bit there when he thought he was tricking John into into thinking that he was one of the hostages and <laughs> turned off his, Ger- his German Even accent though- for a bit and was like Oh my god, uh, thank god you're here. <laughs> I love that moment for the simple fact that it is an actor doing a bad impression of an american accent that it a german was. person would do you could tell that there's so was, many layers that it was a fake american accent and even and john was like you really thought <laughs> that i'm that dumb and that i'd give you a loaded gun because no i don't bullets, know you Hans. yeah what the heck <laughs> <laughs> honestly i i probably would have given him the gun he gave him the right name i don't know how hans was able to memorize that many names he said like john clay or something he probably just looked at one uh, one or two or three of the names that he could have gotten away with mm-hmm. because he, they planned the entire thing they even planned for when the police and the fbi were going to show up they planned yep. on the negotiations with them taking forever and then mm-hmm. the double cross and the fact that the fbi cutting power to the building was part of the entire plan all along love that so that they can get into the safe mm-hmm. <laughs> everything about the bad guy's plan is perfectly structured and it's the simple the simple way that it would have worked. Like, logically, if you lay it all down, their plan would have easily worked without any problems, if not for John McClane, who 
wasn't supposed to be at the party in the first yeah, place. Yeah, he wasn't on the guest list. Like mm-hmm. he, I'm pretty sure that they took a look at everybody who RSVP'd or would have been on the guest list or something to get into that party because they were planning out articulately how to you know, pull mm-hmm. it off. And he was the anomaly. But honestly, if they're that smart, they should account for anomalies, though. The, they should have been definitely. able to account for anomalies or somebody getting, like, somebody being experienced enough to you know how to handle a situation like that mm. i mean but i wouldn't expect a cop to necessarily handle that by himself like no. john did i'm just assuming he was like a unique case because any of them like al i don't think i mean i love al he was an awesome character mm-hmm. but i doubt he would have been he would have been was sitting with their hostages <laughs> like he would have done exactly much. yeah they provide so many examples in this movie of john being a regular person and that's why this movie works but he's still an 80s action hero he kills more than half a dozen people in this movie one of which by snapping his neck as they fall down the stairs. That was an accident, I yeah. think. Yeah, and I, that's kind of what I was leading to is a lot of those deaths, even if you put it on paper, he kills a lot of people in this movie and he shoots a lot of people. But a lot of it is just dumb luck, whether it's by pure accident or he just happens to not get riddled with bullets as someone has a weapon against him. It's... It's ridiculous and I love it and there are moments in this movie where his luck runs out, specifically where he steps on glass. Ouch. <laughs> and even, uh, I'm kind of on a roll talking about how John gets hurt all the time, but <laughs> there's a moment before he steps on glass that the chief is on the radio and the chief's like saying, hey, you brought down a bunch of glass on people. And John's just like, glass? Who cares about glass? I, I never need to worry about that. And then cut to 20 minutes later, Steps he's on glass. Yeah, pulling <laughs> out shards of glass out of his foot. It's yeah. incredible. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be fully debilitating to step on glass, but it, I mean, it, it did slow mm. him down and it hurt like a bitch, <laughs> I bet, <laughs> because nobody wants to step on glass. But the shards of glass like raining down on them, I doubt that they would be going fast enough to actually hurt them if you were covering yourself and mm. like protecting your skin. I'd still be worried. It could give you some cuts, some minor oh, cuts. Oh, some minor cuts while they're <laughs> down there trying to get in there and every single failed attempt leads to more destruction for the building and the possibly people within. We should have, yeah, we should have mentioned that before John blows up a floor of Nakatomi Plaza and sends some glass down on people, a lot of soldiers were being shot at by missiles so he did the right thing i mean you know sacrifice some architecture for some lives that's yeah that's reasonable i mean any movie like this there's going to be some collateral damage mm-hmm. and john even assumes that the building is on fire so he didn't do as much as he figured he would so that that's all good it's fine <laughs> it's, it's cool <laughs> it's fine i guess you can replace glass it's okay but I mean, so many other action stars in the 80s were all about having ripped bodies and, you know, they're covered in baby oil so that <laughs> they could look as ripped as possible and as Sweaty. shiny as possible. Yeah. And like, I'm thinking Rambo, Commando, Sex Predator. Sells, man. Yeah, you know? Sex and, sells. Well, all those movies are great, but I also like seeing flawed heroes and not flawed in the sense that they make horrible mistakes which they should i like it when heroes do that because then it adds yeah consequences (laughs) skinny boy (laughs) exactly but 
having John McClane have the widow's widow's peak and the hairline receding, and he's got the tank top, but he's he's kind of muscular, but he just everyday guy muscular, and he's got the hair on his chest, which they definitely would have shaved if it was any other movie. I just think that the whole look of this protagonist is so not inventive, but it harkens back to just everyday people, which is what your audience wants to see on screen. It's fun to see perfected version of humanity that will always succeed, but it's even more fun to see a flawed person who you can almost see yourself in. Mm -hmm. And as they start defeating everyone and they're the underdog in this situation, it's nice to see them win. Well, yeah, and the and what you mentioned earlier about John getting hurt throughout the entirety of the movie, mm-hmm. I mean, that's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> if you're running around doing way, way more <laughs> parkour work than you would normally do in your day job, <laughs> and running over glass, getting shot at, trying to, you know, shimmy down a gunsling yeah. to another floor to get into the vents, I mean... Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get beat up a little bit. I mean, I'm glad he didn't get full on. No, he he did get shot in the shoulder mm-hmm. from behind it. Yeah, that was the at end, the very but, end. Yeah, but throughout the entire time, he is a lucky motherfucker that he didn't yeah. get shot any other time. And all it took was probably one bullet for him to get shot, and he would have been down for the count. Like he gets, mm-hmm. I I want to say it goes through his shoulder right before he kills off the main henchman of Hans. The and, blonde guy who yeah. was, he killed his brother in the first part yeah. by accident and, and he's then got sent the him down the hair. elevator. Yeah. So I got a machine gun now. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. And Alan Rickman sells that line so well. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Said it so Snape-like. I think the way that you recognized Alan Rickman in this movie was just through Snape's voice. Yep. Just the way that he talked. I also know how he looks, too. He also mm. has a tendency to lift his head up, so he almost looks down his nose when he's talking. Yes. And, and that's, that's kind of because Alan Rickman tends to play a villain, but he just does it so well. He has the he has a villain voice. Even if mm-hmm. he were the protagonist, I'd be like, are you going to secretly be the villain? Are you secretly going <laughs> to exactly. reveal that you're not the good guy? <laughs> and I guess I can get to my Alan Rickman fun fact now. If I'm not mistaken. He's Snape. Did you know that? No, <laughs> <laughs> no way. Boy, dude. <laughs> yeah, please uh, leave a comment or kind of tell us if I'm, if I'm wrong, but this is the first movie that Alan Rickman was ever in. That's surprising because he mm-hmm. did a really good job. Oh, yeah. he Was he in commercials or anything? I, I should have looked that up more, but I'm pretty confident like this is the first acting job that Alan Rickman ever had, which is very surprising because he kills it. Well, I mean, his voice is so recognizable, and that's that's one of the good things about, you know, if you're trying to get into the industry and acting, having a really recognizable quality that's unique. Mm-hmm. It's like Morgan Freeman's voice. Exactly. You will always know who, like, who that is. No, even if you see him or not, you could hear a snippet and be like, that's Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Fre- <laughs> or David Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> and here we see the birds stepping onto the light. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Stepping onto the light. Are they, are they oh, they're ascending? dying. Yeah. They're ascending. <laughs> I guess they're dead. Oh, no. Not the words. <laughs> but yeah, back to Die Hard because just everything about the casting is perfect. I mentioned there's a police chief and the uh, news guy are played by 
grade A assholes, and I'm not saying they're assholes in real life. They're just actors who are really good at playing this stuck-up, snobby person. Well, and that he wasn't thinks even the right. chief; he was the deputy chief. Yeah, he was I, just a step below. <laughs> and I don't, I don't understand how someone like that gets to power because they're just obviously petty who and you terrible. Know. It's who you know. It's a game of who you know. Most That's of the time. Fair. <laughs> most of the time. But the fact that he's only the deputy is like, because mm-hmm. when they said he was real confident in that title too, he goes, I'm deputy. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> all right. And? <laughs> and then the FBI and? <laughs> people come and he tries to just like impress him. Like, hey, I've I've been in the charge of this situation. No, Al has. Thank you. Move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're turning my car into Swiss cheese. <laughs> Somebody I need backup <laughs> now, goddammit, now. <laughs> yeah, Al, if you don't know, is played by uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, which I'm pretty sure you don't know this fact, but um, Family Matters, if I'm getting the name right, never actually saw the show because I mainly know the reference from Invincible, the principal from the school that Mark Grayson goes to, is played, I'm pretty sure, by Reginald Vell Johnson. And this. Oh. And the school is called Reginald Vell Johnson High. It's all just a <laughs> reference to him, the actor. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is great. I love Reginald Vell Johnson. He's a fantastic actor. And I love the fact that Al's whole character arc is learning to shoot and murder someone. <laughs> <laughs> he did it once before by accident because but it was he a was, kid. <laughs> but it was a kid and he was scared and mm-hmm. and then he's like, nah, I've been pushing paper. For ever since then, because I don't want to go out in the field and mess up again. And then this time he does it. He pulls through, mm-hmm. redeems himself by shooting the bad guy that's about to kill John and his wife. And I always thought that it was really dumb that that bad guy comes back in the end so that Al can have one last hero moment. But if you look back at the last shot we see of Carl, who's the um, long, blonde-haired Carl. German guy. Carl. That kills people. <laughs> <laughs> but he's kind of getting hanged, but he has some of his fingers looped into yeah. the rope or chain around his neck, which would actually save you in real life. Yeah. And I'm actually pretty sure like, if somebody's being choked, it's not because they necessarily suffocate first. It's because mm. they... Their the neck. Ox- well, no, the veins in your neck, the two veins on the side Mm -hmm. that supply like are the main supplier of oxygen to your brain Mm -hmm. get cut off because Mm -hmm. they're being restricted and that's usually what causes you to pass out before suffocation i'm pretty sure i assume that a lot of people died from being hanged because they fell a few feet and then their neck was just snapped entirely but i guess there's there's many different ways i think that would be the most common way if that's going to happen but if you think about i don't I don't even remember if he actually f- like fell onto it or if no. he was just like leaned. It leaned was and like a came off. It was a chain on a pulley system kind of thingy, and he just swiped him across it, yeah, and he, he hit had, the wall. And he had a hold of it the whole time too. Yeah, but again, it's it's not the dumbest thing in the world because they clearly set it up with some, I guess, subtle. Uh, visual things and the actor doing some stuff while they're in the action like it it still works well the philosophy of in movies like if you don't see them die Mm -hmm. they didn't (laughs) or they most likely or even you could have seen them die but if you don't see a body then there's a chance they're still alive and that's just movie rules right And Mm -hmm. and i also feel like sometimes depending on the type of movie it is sometimes they do it 
so that they can, in a future movie or future episode of something, they can bring them back and you go, mm-hmm. no way, I thought you were <laughs> And that's always the, uh, the uh, soap opera movies. I'm mainly thinking of Fast and Furious that do that, but it, that's everywhere. I don't know if you could get me to watch all the Fast and Furious movies. I don't think you could. <laughs> I, I could get you to watch five through seven because i actually enjoy five through seven the rest i cannot even convince myself to enjoy them i don't know man five is the heist one six is the one where they fight all the evil versions of of themselves and seven's the one where paul walker dies that's why they're good (laughs) well firstly you just spoiled all of them no (laughs) for me i just uh, if they have to make that many of them at that point, they're just ma- remaking that many for the people who are like super mega fans who keep mm. giving them money. We honestly, I could tie this all back into Die Hard because the reason why Fast and Furious has kind of sucked nowadays is because mainly Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel turned out to be a horrible human being. There's some sexual allegations against him, so I don't want to see him on screen right. anymore. Somebody, one of his previous um, assistants, accused him of sexual harassment or sued yeah. him or something, right? Yeah, but I've never really liked him because Vin Diesel has pushed this fact that he's an alpha male and on screen oh, he's the toughest person ever. He can fight The Rock, even though The Rock is like a foot taller than him <laughs> and has like 50 pounds of muscle I'd on him. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> well, that's in the fifth movie and in the movie, like in the canon of that universe, they are the same level of strength. Which I didn't care about in the fifth movie, but by the time you get to the eighth Fast and Furious movie, Vin Diesel is this superhuman who's able to punch through concrete. And he, you know, he gets in a car wreck at 70 miles an hour and he's fine. And that's the point that I don't care about these characters anymore. And that's why I care so much about John McClane, because like we talked about earlier, he's just a person. Yeah, and he's in his cause isn't an ego trip. It's no, <laughs> it's it's to save those people to stop the people, the terrorists. They call them mm-hmm. terrorists, but I don't know because they're yeah. Hans makes a point of saying that he's not a terrorist, they're and, thieves. Yeah, he kind of loses his High shit level because, thieves. yeah, later in the movie, uh, Holly says that he's just. Uh, an everyday Petty thief. thief. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm smart. I'm cool. I'm I, got, an I got a suit. Thief. I'm a great thief. <laughs> Ho. <No. laughs> but yeah, that's that's the whole German team's thing is they want to be smarter than your everyday thief, even though they are clearly not. Do you not hear my accent? <laughs> Come I on. Think Hans is smart though he pretends to be smarter than he actually is you know he's reading all of the forbes articles but i i don't believe hans is as smart as he comes off no he hides behind his accent and his ability to steal things Mm -hmm. but again that's why he's such a compelling villain that i end up rooting for in the end and now hans to me is a villain name just in general because i mean frozen yeah (laughs) and he's not biggest twist villain He's I not, was he, so mad. <laughs> he's not even a villain when the movie starts. And no, he's know. like, he's like, oh my god, we're gonna it's make the typical princess <laughs> love at first sight. And he goes, we finish each other's sandwiches. Isn't that oh adorable? God. And then he goes, no, I just wanted the throne. I was twelfth in line. 
I'm not going to survive that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to marry into the throne, and it's perfect that you're dying right now. Mm-hmm. Come oh, on. Isn't this great? <laughs> it works for me. It's all mine now. <laughs> now I don't have to pretend to like you anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but whereas a lot of uh, Disney mustache twiddling villains. He doesn't even have a mustache. Yeah. He but... has no facial hair. <laughs> he has but he some is, sideburns. He's a ginger, though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, would you consider sideburns facial hair? No. I would. No. I don't know. No, that's <laughs> just your hair trying to reach for your chin. I don't that's know. That's true. I don't think it's. <laughs> but is, that's beside the point because, like I was saying earlier, all these horrible villains where they're just trying to get some kind of power, the entire German team is just trying to get money so they can live on a beach drinking Mai Tais or whatever. <sighs> I mean, everybody wants to, but. You can't do it that way. There's always going to be something for you Mm -hmm. to be paranoid about and ruin it. (laughs) The conversation point even came up as we were watching the movie that if all of these villains put the same amount of effort into just a job or maybe a sale that they could do. Pull your bootstraps up. Yeah, they they could have... They could have made just as much money. I don't Buy a lottery ticket every week and be disappointed like the rest of us, okay? Exactly. (laughs) Or maybe start a business like he's clearly an entrepreneur i'm talking about hans but his whole team too they got the tech guy i don't he wasn't german and no i think think they just recruited him when they got to the united states it was like hey you willing to like do something very highly illegal Mm -hmm. to get some moolah and he's like he clearly was and then he and then he gets his lights get punched out with one hit (laughs) from argyle from argyle the limo (laughs) driver who all of a sudden tuned in after everything was happening he he tunes in oh damn like three quarters of the way into the movie then he's like oh i'm I'm not i'm a part of this i'm in this oh my god he tries to drive out it's gated and he's like shit never mind (laughs) and then he sees a police car or a fireman's car it was like a it was like a an electrician's Mm -hmm. truck no it was an ambulance it was an ambulance you haven't seen oceans 11 so i think i'm gonna spoil this for you have i but the ending of Ocean's Eleven is all of the protagonists fake that that they're firemen or policemen, and they carry all of the money out in policeman bags. I mean, and come on. <laughs> I'm pretty work. sure Ocean's Eleven ripped off or was trying to rip off the bad guys in Die Hard because that was their exact plan. They were gonna sneak out in a police car and just hide in all of the chaos. Whoop, whoop. But. Thankfully, Argyle just smashed that van. <laughs> and just gave him one good punch and knocked him out. <laughs> he just knocked his lights clear out. Meanwhile, John is up there fighting Kyle, and it's taken like 73 punches, and he's still not unconscious, and it's Kyle. all in the head. And of course, but his name is Kyle, and he's a German. No, he is he Carl. German? Right. <laughs> same thing same, same name basically same thing yeah. but you're yeah I got was he german or was he like yeah. Nor- nordic or russian or something i mean i have no idea what the actor was i'm sure a lot of these actors like the first uh well, they guy that russian. he killed the twins look yeah. russian or i'm assuming they're twins they look this i mean they fight. they had the uh the german blonde hair Is but it, uh, I don't know. They they could have they been like Norwegian might... or... I don't know. I guess I wasn't paying enough attention to when they spoke. Mm. But I mean, I mean, I guess they said nine. So yeah. I'm German. But... And there was a lot of different nationalities in the German group. Like there was a very Italian guy. <laughs> the person who tells John that 
to not like hesitate or waste a shot. Yeah, he goes, whoa, 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 don't shoot, don't shoot. <laughs> but yeah, that guy looks like an Italian mobster. You, you gotta watch that. I think his name is Marco. I'm gonna make him enough. He can't refuse. <laughs> There's also the um, Asian guy, and he's he's got super long hair, but he's balding quite a lot. That's the only thing that I remember about him, but he's in a magnificent scene where all of the bad guys are getting ready for the cops to come in, and he looks down, and he's at the candy register, and he looks back up, and he looks down again, and he looks back up, and he looks down, and then he takes a piece of candy and starts eating it. <laughs> and it's it's a great moment of humanizing these <laughs> villains, because no, everyone in this movie... just a piece of candy. Yeah, they're just guys. They're just... Some of them are have a horrible plan to take hostages and some of them are just trying to do the right thing like john but they're all just people they're just people man <laughs> there's people who are okay with killing other people yep. and fucking over everybody else <laughs> to get their money so that they can go and never work again <laughs> on that note of just people being people and they're flawed and they're not macho men who do everything right i think it's near the scene where the bad guy takes a piece of candy that i'm talking about but one of the policemen as they're getting ready to storm the building he walks through a rose patch and he cuts his hand on one of the roses and he goes ow, ow. <laughs> and it's like a blink and you'll miss it moment in this movie but it's just it's perfect on these little layers of humanizing everyone in this movie. And as soon as you look back and see how many layers they've actually put in this movie, it's surprising and phenomenal. I mean, I, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. Die Hard is a pretty cool movie. Die Hard is a fantastic movie. Not a Christmas movie. It is but very clearly a, cool a Christmas movie. I know. It's about family. The whole movie takes place throughout it's about Christmas. Thievery and <laughs> righteous justice. It's about a person. Underdogs. Yeah, it's about an underdog, and he's doing it for his family so that he can see him again. And oh. and. <laughs> Aside from the construction floors, which are only like half finished, every single room in this setting, the Nakatomi Plaza building, is decorated for Christmas. It's got Christmas lights. It's got a tree a lot of the time. Oh my God, this really? Is, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> I think the whole theme of it and the fact that it takes place on Christmas, it's about a father of this family trying to reconnect with his wife. This is a Christmas movie. No. <laughs> it's we'll we'll the have the same plot could be had in a completely different like time of year, like in June, mm -hmm. and it would have made zero difference in the movie. I it would have made it, like no difference. It would have made a difference because they would have had to change the soundtrack because there's a lot of Christmas music. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Even the main theme, the orchestral theme of the movie has Christmas themes behind it. I should have looked up who did that. It's almost as if you could, you know, do different music that isn't Christmas. Yeah, and but that's hard. <laughs> the whole movie is set around this Christmas theme, it's whether it's the Christmas music, the, the people, the personifications. It happens to be in December. <laughs> And they decorated. If you, if you could have it on December 1st and everything would still look the same and be decorated and it still wouldn't be a Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, technically. But I argue that it is because it it is decorated. It's, it is. Refute. 
Objection. <laughs> in the same way that Sustain. almost all of Shane Black's movies, he's a filmmaker who 100% of his movies take place on Christmas because he just likes Christmas for some reason. I mean, everybody likes Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. Most There's... people except for the Grinch, but no, mm -hmm. no, the Grinch didn't hate Christmas. He hated people. Exactly. And that's fair. Mm -hmm. That's very fair. But yeah, there's also a sense of isolation on Christmas because even if you are seeing your family, you there's a sense of, oh God, I have to see my family again. Oh God, I have to see you people again. No. <laughs> Which obviously everyone wants to do and hopefully you are in a position to be able to see your family and, you know, have a nice meal with them. But it gets stressful. What about the families of the guys that were robbing the place? Like, what, what do they think about this? Do they know? Do they have connections to their families? Are they trying to do it for the family secretly? I bet you they're secretly doing it for the family. Or maybe their families knew when they were rooting for them. Because they could have humanized at least one of them by having, like, their kid call them and go, I want you to be home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get through that. <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> and then the, you would have been like, oh, I, I understand. I feel for you. Uh, so I, I wasn't going to bring this up because there are many, many diehard sequels. And if I'm honest, 90% of them aren't good. But the third diehard, which I really, really love. I'll say the second diehard's good. I, I like it well enough, but it's the same movie. But the third diehard, the villain of that movie is Hans Gruber's brother, who's played by Jeremy Irons. Und ja. <laughs> Und ja. And yeah, the whole movie is this guy getting revenge on John McClane because he killed his brother and ruined his brother's plan, which was, I don't even know, but it had to be years in the making. Like this was... Some beach. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> oh, finds Whatever. You don't know the song I'm referencing. I don't know the song. I was gonna sing a Steven Universe song, but I'm we are the off. Crystal. <laughs> we still gotta watch that. Steven Universe is great. I mean, I've seen some of Steven Universe. I just mm. haven't seen it all the way through. But the one with, uh, oh, what's her name? Spinell. Yes, yeah, Spinell. Yeah, I made you watch the movie, which kind of that spoiled hurt. the whole show. Hurt but my heart. Yeah, that movie is incredible. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Die Hard, which honestly we've talked. A whole lot about i can't think of too much else to say other than i have one more fun fact which is when the villain fell off of the building they were behind the camera someone was holding his hand and they said okay alan on three we're gonna drop you and you need to act surprised and they said okay one two and then they dropped him so his surprise oh my god is real. <laughs> like that shock of oh god i'm falling Alan Rickman is making that face for real, that's which is, it, that's always nice to see. The rule of stunts, you must keep <laughs> <Yep>. it. <laughs> if you get hurt, you got to keep it, which I don't know if anyone got hurt in the making of this movie. I mean, if you're running around and like play fighting, mm -hmm. somebody's going to get kicked in the shin or yeah. knocked in the chrome. Bruce Willis Dome. and some other Dome. people have some <laughs> isolated fights where it's just one-on-one -on -one, and it's not even cool hong kong action cinema where it's staged really well it's just people rolling around on the ground <laughs> trying to kill the other person it was, <laughs> i've seen <laughs> there's some where people like take the audio out and just like have the sh like shoes yeah, squeaking just, on the floor <laughs> and, and the 
smacking the like the blunt sounds. I've I haven't seen that, but I have seen a clip of uh, Elvis just dancing around and, <laughs> and his squeak, shoes squeak, are squeaking. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> I think that would be funny to see. <laughs> just or any time a villain comes on, they're just like bitch slapping each other. Hey, knock it off! Cat fighting. <laughs> But without too much else to say, out of five brownie points, how much would you give Die Hard? I would say three and a half. That's fair. Just because, I mean, I like action movies. Action movies aren't always my favorite ones. Um, mm. but I did like the movie and I thought it was good. And I, and I liked, and I liked Bruce Willis as the main character. Mm. And I liked Alan Rickman as the main villain. I mean, objectively, this movie is spectacular but it's also from the 80s it's been not necessarily remade but the whole structure of it has been put into many other movies since so i wasn't sure if you were gonna like this but i'm i'm glad you i'm glad you had fun with it at the very least i did and i really liked al Mm -hmm. reginald (laughs) i really liked al i think his character was great and yeah he just brought a whole lot of fun but with that this has been a girlfriend's glimpse into die hard and also Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Crisis. (laughs) Merry Chrysler.